Let us pray. Our mercy eternal and everlasting, Father, we are thankful this morning for your love and your mercy. We are thankful for your faithfulness, the way you have continuously sustained us in this area. You've shown us your love, your mercy in every way. We are grateful that we are your children, that you chose us based on your love and your plan. And we are also grateful that you've given us the privilege to assemble together in obedience to your instruction that we should do so, to be encouraged through your word. So, Father, we recognize that the human mind is incapable of understanding anything that is spiritual apart from the ministry of God the Holy Spirit. So it is a request that God the Holy Spirit, who is the perfect communicator, will enable us to hear precisely what you have for us this morning. This is a request in Christ's name. Amen. Still in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 31. He reads in the NIV 1984 edition, Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, tall teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those uh, speaking in different uh, kinds of tongues. Are, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now... I will show you the most excellent way. Now we continue with this section of the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians that is concerned with specific assignments, spiritual assignments, of course, that God has made to certain individuals in the Church of Christ. Now the message we have been uh, considering is that be aware of the specific spiritual assignments God made to individuals in the church that you should focus in your spiritual life and that your focus in your spiritual life should really not be on this or the gifted men or the gifted people or gifts, the gifts associated with these spiritual assignments. Instead, that you should be focused on living the spiritual life. That should be your focus. Now, we stated that we will expand this message using four propositions. The first one is that the spiritual assignments are made to those in the church of Christ that you are a member. The second, the spiritual assignments are ranked according to their importance in the church of Christ. So in keeping with this second proposition, we have considered the first three uh, spiritual assignments that are 
most important in the functioning of the church of Christ. The first is the spiritual assignments of apostles. The second is that of prophets. The third is that of teachers. Now we explained the reason teachers are ranked third behind the spiritual assignments of prophets. Now these spiritual assignments are clearly associated with a person. With a person. But that, that cannot be said though, in the Greek of course, of the last five spiritual assignments given in this verse. Verse 28 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, the next two spiritual assignments are related to each other or they form a special class of assignments. Now, we say this for at least two reasons. They involve special outward demonstration of God's power as implied in the results of carrying out these two uh, next two assignments. Now, the result of exercise of one of the spiritual gifts associated with the two uh, assignments is part of the result of the exercise of the order, as we will explain later. Now, furthermore, each of these two, the next two spiritual assignments is preceded with the word then. Look at your, uh, if you have the NIV, the 84. Look at that word, then. Now, although the translators of the NIV uh, translated the Greek adverb as then and also, twice. In verse 28, because this is what it says, then workers of miracles also, those having gifts of healing. So here we're looking at if you look from English perspective, the word then or also in the NIV, they seem to come from different Greek words, but that's not the case. Actually, both words come from the same Greek word. That's, that's the thing that uh, what, what is necessary to look at the Greek uh, in studying these things. Anyway, so the word then or also in the NIV is translated from a Greek adverb that means then either be next in order of time or be next in position of an enumeration list where you listen something. Now it is in the sense of being next in position of an, of an enumeration of items that the meaning then is used in our passage of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. In a sense, since the adverb here is used twice in the verse that we're considering, it has the sense of fourth and fifth. That's where you will have that sense, fourth and fifth, in both usages of the Greek adverb. Same Greek adverb. Now, after the mention of the next two spiritual assignments, there is no more any indicator of sequence of enumerations. Now, it is for this reason that uh, we contend that the next two spiritual assignments are related to each other in a way 
that is different from the remainder of the spiritual assignments listed in our verse of study and that they form a special class of assignment. Now there is more though. The first use of the word then in the Greek before the fourth spiritual assignment serves two purposes. The, the very first word then will contain it serves two purposes. First, it tells us that the apostle is no longer concerned with ranking or in terms of importance of spiritual assignments to the church. The first story we said is concerned with importance. The beginning now, this word then begins to tell us it is no longer the same. For one thing, the apostle reversed the order he used in listing spiritual gifts. Since gifts of healing uh, come before that of miraculous power, but not so now in the fourth and fifth assignment. He reversed it. So that can immediately tell us it's not the same thing as the first trade that we're looking at. Because if he was, he would maintain the same order, but he did not. Second, it is intended to indicate that the apostle is moving now from spiritual assignments that are associated with a person more permanently in the church to spiritual assignments that are described with abstract nouns that describe spiritual gifts, although some of our English versions translate the abstract spiritual gifts as related to persons, with such phrases as you find in the NIV, those who, or some, just, some English versions just say who. Now it is probably the case that the apostle wanted to draw our attention to the last five spiritual assignments in such a way that we should recognize that why they are important because of the spiritual gifts associated with them, they are not of the same importance as the first three spiritual assignments as it pertains to their function of maturing believers in the church of Christ. In other words, the first three, as we're going to be arguing, they are very important in our maturity and the maturity of the church, but not as the last five. That's, That's what we're arguing here. Now, this aside, the relationship between the fourth and fifth spiritual assignments necessitates expanding both together. Now, be that then as it may, using the sense implied in the Greek adverb translated then, as we have uh, uh, given, the fourth spiritual assignment is concerned with miracles, as given in the phrase of 1 Corinthians 12.28 where we're starting. Again, it says, workers of miracles. Workers of miracles. Now, the word workers does not appear separately in the Greek, but it is added as we will explain shortly. You see, the Greek literally reads this way, then miracles. That's all the Greek says, then miracles. Now, this is because the Greeks simply use a Greek word 
dynamics from which we derive our English word dynamics. Dynamics. Now, or more importantly, the word dynamite. That's where this Greek word, uh, that's where they derive that meaning. That basically means power. Power. Now, the word may refer to special enablement or strength that the Lord Jesus promised to the disciples that they will receive to help them be his witnesses, as stated in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And hold on to Acts. I'm going next passage is TV in Acts. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power. That word power, that's our Greek word, dynamis. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now the word can refer to the power that works wonders as a power associated with Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry as Apostle Peter stated in Acts chapter 10 verse 38. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. And hold on to Acts because I'll go to one passage and come right back to Acts. It is how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. That's a Greek word here. And power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God uh, was with him. Now, power may be understood in a general way of potential of functioning in some way. So it is in this way that the word is used in connection with what the apostles said about the gospel in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans Chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 reads, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. Again here, a Greek word is translated power. Now, when the Greek word, though, is used in the plural, in the plural, the word predominantly means miracles, miracles. As that is where is uh, used to describe what God has done through the apostle, Paul in particularly, in Acts chapter 19, verse 11. 
Acts chapter 19 verse 11. It is, God did extraordinary miracles. That's the same Greek word that means power. But here it's not translated miracles because it's in the plural. So God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Now in our passage of 1 Corinthians 12.28, where the Greek uses the plural, the plural, it is used in the sense of power that works wonders or miracles. Power that works wonders or miracles. That is, of course, a special manifestation of great power of God. Now, because the first three spiritual assignments involve persons, some commentators take the position that the sense of our Greek word here is that of miracle worker. Because of the first three assignments. So they say, well, it should be uh, understood as miracle worker. Well, that's of course a person who uh, works miracles, especially as a manifestation of, a, of great power. Now this interpretation is really the one that is adopted then by the 1984 edition of the NIV. But, the 2011 edition has taken the more literal Greek view. So that instead of then workers of miracles of the 1984 edition, the 2011 edition then simply say, then miracles. That's it. Because they are more and more literal. Then miracles. Now we'll say more about the spiritual assignment after our uh, consideration of the next spiritual assignment that we consider the fifth given here. So the fifth then, spiritual assignment is concerned with healing. With healing. As given in the verbal phrase of 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 28 that we're studying, it reads, also those having gifts of healing. Again, the uh, verbal phrase, those having it's not in the Greek. It's not in the Greek. Since literally the Greek simply reads, then gifts of healings. As reflected in the 2011 edition of the NIV and many of our English versions. Now the word gifts here is translated from a Greek word charisma. Charisma. That may mean that which is freely and graciously given, hence it may mean uh, favor bestowed or gift. It is a word that is used to describe eternal life that God graciously uh, gives to us according to uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 23. Romans Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 reads, For the wages of sin is death. But the gifts, that, is, that word gift there is charisma. But the gift of God 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now a Greek word is used to describe the special gift God gives that is necessary for carrying out special tasks as mediated to uh, Timothy by the lame of the hands of the elders, presumably though during his ordination, as stated in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. First Timothy chapter four verse fourteen. This is a special uh, enablement or gift that God gives to carry out a special task. So here it says, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders lay their hands on you. Now, a Greek word is also used then to describe the special gift bestowed on believers that enabled them then to serve in the church of Christ, as stated in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. First Peter Chapter 4, verse 10. It is, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. In other words, each, like I've said many times to you, If you are a believer in Christ, you have a gift. You have one of those spiritual gifts. Whether you know what it is or not. Except for those, like I said, those who have the gift of uh, teaching and pastoring and so on. Those are the ones that become important to know. So you can immediately start preparing for it. Otherwise, every other gift, it will function. All you have to do is be maturing, growing. It will take place. So here it talks about each one has... Uh, if you use the gift given to serve the church. So, you do have one. Whether you use it, it's an entirely different ballgame. But you do have one. Now, the gifts in our passage, the uh, charisma here, is then used in the sense of special gift of a non-material uh, sort bestowed through God's generosity on individual Christians. Hence means gracious gift. Now that is one thing we all should all understand. It's every gift that we have is is graciously given. Every gift. Now there are many, there are kinds of gifts. Even sometimes when people talk about, you know, say talents, and this is talented person in sports, he can play. Uh, football, basketball, name them. They say, oh yeah, very talented. That's also a gift from God. Because you didn't, no one was born and said, I'm going to be this. I don't know if they would say that, but that doesn't make it to be so. Well, this, God gives a gift to a person. 
But we are focused more on the spiritual gift. If that means that every gift that we have is gracious gift. We do not deserve it. We do not earn it. It is what God gives us in every way. That is one reason that we uh, have been cautioned not to allow our heads swell up with pride because of whatever gift God has given us. Anyway, the, the gift though, in our verse, is associated with healing. With healing. Now see, the word healing is translated from a Greek word that appears three times in the Greek New Testament. All in this 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And all in the plural form. That's interesting. All three in the plural. Now the, uh, the word means healing. That is of course the act of providing a cure for something. To make a person healthy again in a miraculous manner. So anyway, the apostle used the phrase uh, in the plural. He used the word in the plural in the little phrase, gifts of healings. Gifts of healings. Now we have considered this phrase, gifts of healings before in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 9. We considered that in verse 9. Now, so we, from there, we deduced that the apostle used the plural gifts of healing to convey the diverse nature of healing and diverse form of illnesses that those with the gift of healing will exercise their gifts. Now, so we are Saturday, that a fourth and the fifth. Spiritual assignments are related to each other or that they form a special class of assignments, especially because both involve special outward demonstration of God's power. Whether you're talking about miracles or healing, we say both require the show demonstration of God's power. Now, the relationship between the two, though, is evident in the fact that the exercise of the fifth assignment is indeed a subset of the fourth. See, the fourth assignment is concerned with miracles. Now, miracles are occurrences that are totally out of the ordinary and that cannot be explained or be adequately explained on the basis of natural occurrences. You know, they are always trying to, you know, those who don't want to believe miracles, they are always finding a way to explain away miracles. I read some scientific uh, thing last week and I just died laughing. I said, oh yeah, how they explain that. Maybe really God didn't really divide the Red Sea. From Israel, because now they show there's a way uh, from what they have studied in the wind that they, actually that there's some part of it that for some when the winds come together a certain way it will open up for a while. <laughs> yeah, I said okay. I mean that's all they are trying to do is to deny God did that. So let's just say let's agree that okay let's just give it yes that that can happen. 
Why happened at that same time when Moses was in front of it? And raises, why did it happen that time? Why not any other time? Let's just assume that's possible. But what I'm saying is, you know, scientists who don't want to accept anything miraculous, they're looking for ways to debunk everything in the Bible. That's all they're doing. And in the end, when they, you know, when they finish, it all comes down to nothing. Because like I just told you, suppose, yes, let's assume that they're right. Then you, the person who is thinking, now why at that time? Why no other time? Why at that time when they were in front of that uh, sea and the Moses raises stuff? Why did it happen at that time? Now, if it happened at that time, it's still a miracle. Even if it can happen any other time. But which we don't really believe it is, but uh, they're just going around doing all that. Anyway, so the point is that uh, miracles are those that we cannot really explain. Although people, and again, people try to do their best to explain it, but you can't. Now, the, anyway, again, I say that the relationship between the two assignments is evident in the fact that the exercise of the fifth assignment is indeed a subset of the fourth. The fourth, again, is concerned with miracles. And these miracles, we keep arguing, is something you cannot explain. Hence, one of the first clearly recorded miracles in the scripture through a human agent is that of turning Aaron's rod or staff into a snake, as we gather from Exodus chapter 7, verse 9. That's the actual first really recorded miracle in a sense. Exodus Chapter 7, verse 9. And hold on to that. I'm going to pick up some more verses there. Exodus, chapter 7, verse 9. It reads, When Pharaoh says to you, Perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, Take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh. And it will become a snake. Now, of course, to take something non-living, to turn it into a living thing, that's a miracle. Of course, the miracle of turning uh, Aaron's staff into snake was duplicated by the Egyptian magicians. As indicated still in that Exodus uh, chapter 7, look at verses 10 and uh, through 12. It reads, So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and he became a snake. Now Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers and Egyptian magicians also did the same thing by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff and it became a snake but Aaron's snake swallowed up their staffs. Now of course we had studied that 
It's been almost maybe two years now, a little more than that. But we'll study that in detail to show God's power that this one snake will swallow all the other snakes. But anyway, here's the thing. It may appear, really, that the magicians were aided by Satan uh, to do what they did as some contend, but that is not entirely true. See, all miracles are ultimately from God through human agents since it is clear that he alone is responsible for doing things that are wonderful and beyond explanation as the Holy Spirit states through the psalmist in Psalm 136 verse 4. Now, of course, um, when we studied this, uh, I went into a little more detail about this thing called counterfeit miracles. And I was arguing that really, in a sense, it's not. It's just that we, we try to differentiate between believers and non-believers doing certain things, so we say that. But really, uh, all miracles come from God. It all depends on what the purpose is and who's, what agent he's using and for what purpose. So this is the reason I say that. And that is one of those things when we study the Bible, we just have to clearly come through it to ensure that when we say something, it is indeed what it is. But here it says, To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Now, if you look at that, to him alone who does great wonders. So if there's a great wonder, who does it? Satan? I said, no. God may use him, but really, ultimately, God is doing it for his purpose. Anyway, the, see the pronoun him here refers to Yahweh or God. So he is responsible for all that are miraculous, and so we, we should not rob him of his glory by ascribing what we call counterfeit miracles to Satan. Because, see, there's nothing that pleases Satan than to receive human praise. Even when we are unduly, we don't realize that when we are unduly, give attribute so much to him. He enjoys that. That's all he wants. He wants praise from us. He loves that. Now, there are many times you should be careful about how you attribute anything to him. He is an agent of God. He is not the ultimate source of anything. But he wants us to think he is. Because if he is an ultimate source of uh, anything, then he got his point made across to people. Because all he wants to do is to show that he's equal to God. So if he's the ultimate source of something, and God is the ultimate source of something, then he's equal to God. Which is not true. I mean, he's a, he's a, a lesser God, but he's not the supreme God. Anyway, so what I'm saying is that God ultimately grants all miracles for his purpose, whether through believers or unbelievers, as in the case of the Egyptian magicians. When he he grants miracles through an unbeliever, it is certainly for a purpose. 
in case of the Egyptian uh, magicians, it was so Pharaoh will become stubborn and reject the requirement of the supreme God of Israel so that God's plan will be fulfilled through him. Because you see, if Aaron's staff was turned into a snake and his magician did the same. He said, what's the difference? I, my, whatever I worship, they, he does the same thing. So what are you telling, telling me about this here Yahweh? But God did that, granted that because he wanted to eventually use that to bring him out and destroy him and destroy his people through that, uh, first of all, through a series of, punish them through a series of plagues and eventually uh, drown them, uh, his uh, entire army, so to say, on the Red Sea. Anyway, in any case, miracles from God through human agents are demonstrated in several ways. There are several ways we see miracles. A miracle may involve raising someone from the dead, as done through Apostle Peter, when he raised talkers from the dead, as narrated in Acts chapter 9, verses 40 to 41. Acts Acts chapter 9, verses 40 through 41, and hold on to Acts. Acts chapter 9, verse 40 reads, Peter sent them all out of the room after the coin. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. So that is a miracle raising somebody from the dead. Now a miracle may involve God's judgment pronounced through a human agent. A good example of this is the pronouncement of the judgment by Apostle Paul on Elemas the sorcerer. The sorcerer that was trying to interfere with the gospel the Apostle Paul presented to the proconsul Sergius Paulus as narrated in the 13th chapter of Acts, verse 11. Acts chapter 13, verse 11. Acts chapter 13, verse 11. Like I said, hold on, Acts. We're going to see, be there for a little bit. Many passages from Acts now. It is, now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind. And for a time, you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, 
And he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. That's a miracle. He pronounced judgment. And this man got blind. That's a miracle. Can't you say, you be blind and a person is blind. It's just a miracle. Now we, you remember sometime in the past when we were dealing with all this in detail, I did read some of, some of the things that happened around the 16th, 17th century in Scotland. About with some well, uh, a pastor that somebody was just being disruptive and he said, this man is going to die. And the evening he died. And that is a demonstration of God's power. Miraculous uh, display of power. Now a miracle could also involve exorcism as in the miracle granted Apostle Paul so that he drove out evil spirits from a slave girl in Philippi as we read in Philippians chapter 16 verse 18. Acts chapter 16 verse 18. Acts chapter 16 verse 18. It is, this is a slave god that uh, predicted the future more or less, fortune teller kind of thing. So he says, she kept this up for many days. What she kept up, he keeps it. These are men are the ones preaching to you the gospel, you know, in order to say the message to be saved. So that's why he says she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Now, miracles may, of course, then involve healing. The miracles performed by uh, the evangelist Philip included healing the sick, as we read in Acts chapter 8, verses 6 through 8. Acts chapter 8, verses 6 through 8. It is, when the crowd heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So, so miracles here included all kinds of healing here. Now the healing is also a form of miracle. is proven by the healing of the crippled man by Apostle Peter and the testimony of the Jewish leaders regarding that miracle, uh, healing as we read in Acts chapter 3 verses 6 through 8.
Acts chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. Acts chapter 3, verses 6 through 8 reads, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Now, it is this healing them of the crippled man that the Jewish authorities describe as outstanding miracle. As we read, see in Acts, look at chapter 4, verse 16. Acts chapter 4, verse 16. Now it says, it reads, what are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. See, they're not uh, people who are in denial. People who look at reality and say, no, that's not what I'm saying. They are not in any form of deception. They admit it, even though they don't like the fact that the gospel is being preached and that some people are responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't like that. But they were realistic. They said, people, everyone is saying this. It's a miracle. We can't deny it. So, that's what say, and we cannot deny it. Now, that's at least what I call people who are, are healthy, although in error. But there are a lot of people who are in error and they are unhealthy. That is to say, people are in error and yet they can't think. You know, the truth is staring at their face. They say, no, it's not the truth. That is the worst state to be in. When you can look at truth and say, no, it's not the truth. For whatever reason, the person says that. Anyway, that's this kind of uh, People here who are the Jewish leaders, they, they, they were truthful. They realized, yes, this is a miracle. This healing is a miracle. And that was my interest, though, is to see that they admitted a healing as miracle. So it is because then, healing is a part of miracle that we indicated that the fourth and the fifth spiritual assignments are related. One is the subset of the other. Healing a subset of miracles. Because one is miracles. And the other one, gifts of healing. And we say gifts of healing is a subset of miracles. Furthermore, having stated this, that uh, uh, healing is a subset of miracles, we're saying in effect that healing is a special aspect of miracle. That God the Holy Spirit grants through those with the gift of healing. 
those with the gift of healing. Now, although we do not have a record of a person who demonstrated only the gift of healing, but because it is differentiated from gifts of miracles, we contend then that the gift of healing is a subset of gift of miracles. We don't have one person in the New Testament or in Acts that is constantly shown to have just the gift of healing without any other miracle. At least listed. That's why we're saying that. A person who has only a gift of healing would only function in a manner that only healing will be done through that person. That's the only thing miraculous. It has to be that healing. If that's the gift that God has given a person. So such a person then will not be capable of the other possible forms of miracles that we stated. That's why I gave you the various possible forms of miracles. To make the argument that if you have the gift of healing and don't have the gifts of miracles, then you can only do healing which has to do with sickness and so forth. But you cannot perform any other, other miracles uh, given in the passage that we're studying. Now there's another reason we know that healing is related to miracles and a subset. It is that both serve the same purpose in God's plan. Both of them serve the same purpose. Healing or miracles, they serve the same purpose. Now the purpose of miracles or healing is dependent on the subject. Who is concerned? We'll talk about miracles. Who is it concerned? Well, for the God-man, Jesus Christ, the purpose of his miracles is to show clearly that he is the Christ or the appointed one of God. To show that he is that. Now, before I even go to the passage I want to go into, just so you know, uh, which we've mentioned several times, when Jesus Christ turned water into wine, that is a miracle. That's why John, that's the first miracle in the Gospel of John. Because his purpose is to prove that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. In other words, that he is God. Now, all the miracles that we have, uh, except for some few here and there, almost all the miracles that's recorded about Jesus Christ's ministry, they have been done by the Old Testament prophets in one way or the other. Except, more importantly, that of turning water into wine. Because that involved creation, taking something and creating something out of it. Most of the others, increasing food and all that, he gave it to some of the prophets in Elijah, I mean Elijah and so on. But when it came to this miracle of turning water into why, and that is a miracle designed to uh, highlight the fact that Jesus is God, the Creator. Anyway, well, the point remains though is that His miracles were designed to show that He is uh, the one appointed by God, or that He is God Himself. It's for this reason 
that the Lord Jesus himself indicated that his miracles testify concerning him. As we read in John chapter 10 verse 25. John chapter 10 verse 25. John chapter 10 verse 25 reads, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you didn't believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. That was the miracle testify about who he is. Now, this purpose of Jesus' miracle, or his miracles testifying about him, is presented by the Holy Spirit through Apostle Peter when he preached his sermon on the day of Pentecost, according to Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. It is men of Israel. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Now the word accredited here of the NIV is translated from a Greek word that is used outside the New Testament to describe a person who has been appointed to a given office. However, in the New Testament, the word may mean to draw attention to someone or to something. That is to show in this case. So in this passage of Acts chapter 2 verse 22, the Greek word is used in the sense of to show forth the quality of an entity. That is, simply to show forth. Thus, Peter said, not merely that Jesus was appointed by God, but that he has been proven to be the Messiah by the miracles he performed. Now, he performed which, according to him here, what he said, people know about his miracles since it wasn't something done in a secret place. He was healing all these miracles, he was doing them, but people were seeing them. So that's why he said, yes, you all know about that, it's, it's, it's true. Anyway, so we are saying that, yes, miracles has a purpose and it concerns the Lord Jesus Christ to authentic when it concerns him to authenticate his person. Now this cannot be said though of the apostles and those who preach the gospel. The purpose of miracles by the apostles and those who preach the gospel is to authenticate their message. See the difference? Miracles when it comes to Jesus Christ is to authenticate his person. But when it comes to the apostles or any other person that God grants miracle in the process of preaching the gospel, is to authenticate the message. It's for this reason that we're informed 
that God granted miracles to Paul and Barnabas during their first missionary journey to confirm their message as we read in Acts chapter 14 verse 3. Acts chapter 14 verse 3. Acts 14, chapter 14, verse 3 reads, So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Notice what it is to confirm His message. The word confirm here, though, is translated from a Greek word that may mean to confirm or to attest something on the basis of personal knowledge or belief. That is, of course, to bear witness or to affirm in a, pers- in a, uh, in a, a supportive manner of something. That is simply to testify or to approve. Here in Acts 14 verse 3, the word is used in the sense of to testify approvingly, to testify approvingly, that so then, the issue is that as far as we are concerned from what is given here, it is that this miracle given, or miracles given to Paul and Barnabas, the purpose was to to authenticate or to testify approvingly that their message is true. Now, this same concept of attesting truthfulness of the message of the gospel or God's word is also conveyed by the human author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Uh, put something in Acts because we're coming back to Acts. Hebrews chapter 2. It is, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who had him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So, because miracles then serve to attest to the truthfulness of the message of the gospel, some would respond then favorably to the gospel message on witnessing miracles. Thus, after Peter healed Enos, people in Joppa believed in the Lord, as we read in Acts chapter 9, verses 34 and 35. Acts chapter 9, verses 34 and 35. It reads, And as Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Aeneas 
Garap, all those who lived in Leda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Look at what the miracle did. Caused them to turn to the Lord. Likewise, after the miracle of Peter raising uh, Dorcas from the dead, we are also informed that some people believed, according to Acts chapter 9 that we ha- you have. Look at verse 42. Verse 42 reads, This became known all over Joppa. I mean Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. See, the miracle led them to do that. Now, soldiers, Paulus, the proconsul, on witnessing the miracle of judgment by the apostle Paul on the on Elamas the sorcerer, that miracle caused him, led him to believe, according to Acts chapter 13, verse 12. Acts chapter 13, verse 12. It is, when the proconsul saw what had happened, look at the empire. He believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. So, by the way, then, we should point out, though, that miracles do not necessarily mean that a person who sees uh, them will respond favorably to the gospel message. It doesn't mean that. Now, a miracle may cause a person to respond favorably to the gospel message if the individual is an elect of God. Now, this is proven true because during the earthly ministry, of the Lord Jesus, many who witnessed his miracles did not believe. So the Lord explained this as due to the fact that they were not the elect. As implied in the passage we started previously, but now we add one more verse to that, and that is in John chapter 10 verses 25 and 26. John chapter 10 Well, it's time for break, so we'll, we'll, we'll leave it and we'll pick it up once after break. <laughs> 